Welcome to the Power Suite Podcast. This is Chris Van Dyne. I'm excited for another week of college football and North Coast sports. NFL Game of the Month is going this week, and what a, what better week to do it than coming off our College Game of the Year winner, Notre Dame, came through for us just like we thought they would, dominated that game in the first half, took a 21-0 lead at halftime, never really looked back. We expected that Brennan Armstrong was not going to play, and we were correct. Virginia had to start a true freshman quarterback against Notre Dame's defense. Virginia uh, has the ACC Coastal deciding game this week against Pitt. Notre Dame uh, took care of business against a team that, frankly, wasn't putting their best foot forward. Uh, in a game that was kind of meaningless to them and also without their starting quarterback. So, uh, big win for Notre Dame. Our college sides last week were 5-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Had a lot of fun watching a couple of those games. A lot of blowouts. Oklahoma State absolutely wiped out TCU. Wisconsin dominated Northwestern. Uh, we caught a close loss on the Miami. The only late fun play that lost, actually. Miami, leading by eight in the fourth quarter, uh, ended up giving up a field goal. Then Florida State went down. Fourth and 15, Miami needed one play to get off the field, and they gave up a first down. Florida State ended up punching it in and winning that game, uh, pulling the upset. That was our only late phone loser. Uh, Washington State did end up pushing. They, they uh, scored late. Could Had a couple of opportunities early in the game where we wouldn't have needed that late score, but, uh, you know, we'll take the push. Power sweep. Four-star winner uh, last week, uh, or four-star did not win. That was also Miami. Uh, we did split out on split out on our three stars. Two stars went uh, two and zero. Oh. Uh, once again, two stars have been fantastic all season. And for the second straight week, we had an outright underdog play of the week winner on East Carolina plus six against Memphis. Awesome win for East Carolina. In uh, Good to see our, our underdog play of the week now, 6-5 and five on the year. Uh, five outright upsets, actually. Uh, so, doing really well there. And, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully continue that with our underdog play of the week. Hopefully continue our late phone size as well. Totals last week, uh, you know, yeah, that, that didn't go well. That did not go well. We had one play that was really close, Michigan State and uh, – uh, Maryland over, which is also my podcast play. That uh, depending on where you got it, you might have won, you might have pushed, you might have lost. For the podcast, I'm calling it a loss. For our late phones, we we consider it a loss, but I I got it as a push myself. I know a lot of people actually got it as a win, so you know it just depends on where you got it. But even if that was a win, one and three, not good. Our top total was Oklahoma Baylor over, and I'm sure everyone saw what happened to Oklahoma last week. Offense was dreadful. Didn't expect that, especially against a, a Baylor team that had just got shredded by TCU the week before. Uh, so not a great week for totals. Our NFL plays went 2-1, and one, another winning week. Our top NFL play did lose, so apologies to the top play trio subscribers. But, uh, you know, hopefully we come back, have a big NFL game in the month. The NFL plays have been fantastic all year. And that, that top NFL play did come very close. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota and the Chargers, I almost said San Diego, Minnesota versus the LA Chargers over, just missed it by a touchdown. Uh, Chargers just couldn't put up enough enough points for us. But uh, hopefully we continue to do well in our college size and NFL plays and bounce back on those totals. They've been solid all year and just had a bad week. 
So uh, appreciate everyone that's uh, joined uh, uh, on board for our late phones and North Coast, as well as our Power Sweep and Power Play subscribers. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a guest handicapper this week. Some things fell through. So uh, we're hoping to have one next week for Thanksgiving week. But we are going to jump into uh, getting Robbie and Jim here in a moment. Just want to remind everyone again, we do have our NFL game of the month this week. And uh, make sure you check the, pr- the back of Power Suite for prices. We do have those Thanksgiving Day specials uh, coming up. Thank- we do the two-week special for Thanksgiving, so make sure you check that out. Get on board for uh, perhaps two weeks of exec. You get a really nice deal on that. All right, moving over to our North Coast Handicappers. Welcoming in Robbie DePola. Robbie coming off a nice two-in-one week. And Jim Seaman. Uh, looking for a bounce back week, Jim, Robbie, uh, excited off that two in one week and game of the year win. Yeah. Uh, overall it was a very, uh, exciting weekend here. Uh, first and foremost, I'm sure, uh, it was mentioned in the opening, but, uh, we do apologize for the Oh, and four day on our totals plays. That's not what we typically do here, but yeah, very exciting to go five, one and one on, on our sides, including that uh, big win with Notre Dame minus six and a half. And it was nice on a personal note uh, to have a winning week on the podcast. I did use two big favorites as my sides and they both did cover. So that was nice to see there. And uh, overall, yeah, it was a very uh, exciting weekend for uh, myself on the podcast plays and uh, what we put out, uh, at least on our sides for our late phones. Yeah, NFL also went 2-1, so overall, two, another 2-0 two oh Monday night as well. Jim, uh, welcome back. You are still the leader in the room, 17-15-1 overall. Uh, how are you feeling this week? Uh, well, a little, little uh, going 0-2-1 uh, last week, uh, and that uh, the, the tie was Washington State, which was also our uh, – that made a, a late phone play. Uh, all I can say on my Syracuse play is I was wrong and the total was close. <laughs> so, and, and uh, Robbie said we went 0 and 4 and that's how we record it. But I know I've had a couple of people tell me that they did actually uh, uh, win one of those, uh, the one that we lost by half a point. Some people got the line a little bit better, but uh, still uh, hoping to do better this week and not picking Syracuse again the rest of the season. <laughs> No, not after that. Um, and that that total you mentioned, that was my podcast total, Michigan State versus Maryland over. Uh, I did get it at 61 on Saturday. Uh, I put it out at 60 and a half, so I'm counting as a loser. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna finagle the numbers, you know, and try to wiggle it in my favor. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that some people did win, but no, yeah, I know. I know still one yeah. in three is not that great. <laughs> no, no, and but your your Notre Dame play actually did uh, come out to be our game of the year. So yeah, kudos to that. Yeah, I'm, I went one and two last week, but being that that play was the game of the year, I would have rather went one and two myself and won the game of the year than went uh, two and one and lost the game of the year. So I'll I'll, I'll take that. And uh, it was it was a dominating win. It was exactly what we were looking for. Exactly what you want from a game of the year. Uh, you didn't really have to sweat in the second half. Uh, it was 21 nothing at halftime. We figured Brennan Armstrong wasn't playing. We knew he had a broken rib, and that was, you know, that game didn't mean a lot for Virginia. So uh, thank you, Notre Dame, and 
thank you to all the uh, Irish and the, the Irish Catholics and uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll go to mass this week, Jim. All right. Uh, we're going to start off with Robbie. You had the best record in the room. Uh, so what do you got first for us? Yeah. Uh, before I start off, I was one of those people that actually got the Michigan state total last week. I logged on about 10 minutes before kickoff and saw it was at 59 and a half. And I couldn't believe it was under 60. So I jumped all over that. Uh, so yeah. Um, some people got it as a win, but unfortunately for us, it counts as a loss. But uh, well, what hurt is if they, if they kicked the extra point at the end of the game, or you know, there was a couple of times they fumbled in the red zone, and a lot yeah, of points left on the table there. I agree, um, but uh, we're going to stop looking back and we're going to look forward to this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Um, it's kind of another big uh, favorite, not as big as last week, but uh, my first play is going to be Georgia State minus 16 and a half, and they're hosting Arkansas State. Um, like I've mentioned before, um, I like to focus on the Sun Belt, Mountain West, and Big 12 games here. So this was one that really stood out to me. Um, just for a little bit of transparency, this was a play that was in the mix for a star-rated play in Power Sweep. It just didn't make the cut, but it's a game that we all like here, including myself. Um Georgia State is off an, an upset win over Coastal. Granted, Coastal didn't have their starting quarterback, but they still put up an impressive performance. Uh, they were outgained in that game, but uh, they were plus two in the turnover department, and those two turnovers led to two touchdowns, which helped them uh, propel them to a win. And Arkansas State finally got their first FBS win of the season last week. They beat ULM by three. Um, Georgia State uh, comes in having that big win last week, but overall they've won four of their last five games. And that only loss was a four point loss on the road to Louisiana. It was a back and forth game and they could have easily come out with the win there. Um, that four and one record over their last five games um, it could be in part to the fact that they're plus eight turnovers. So their defense, while they're giving up some yards, they're causing turnovers uh, which is can sometimes make up for the lack of holding teams to lower yardage totals. If you can turn teams over, uh, you can kind of make up for that, which uh, the Panthers are doing here. And overall against Sunbelt foes this year, Arkansas State is minus eight turnovers. So you got a team that tends to turn the ball over more versus a team that likes to create turnovers. That's a pretty big mismatch to me. Uh, Georgia State also likes to run the ball and against Conference foes this year, they're rushing for 230 yards a game, 5.0 yards per carry, led by running backs uh, Tucker Grade and Greg and Jameis Williams, who are both have over uh, 600 yards. And uh, their quarterback is also uh, likes is a dual threat quarterback as well. He has 460 yards. Uh, so you have three really big threats in the run game there for the Panthers. And they are facing an Arkansas State run defense that is just getting completely just dominated. They're giving up 306 rush yards per game, 7.0 yards per carry to Sunbelt foes this season. Um, just that's an just to me on paper, that's an astronomical mismatch that I think the Panthers will exploit throughout the game. Um, overall against Sunbelt foes this year, um, the Panthers are plus four points per game while Arkansas State is minus 18 points per game. And Arkansas State's offensive line has given up 35 sacks on the year, and the 
Panthers pass rushers collected 14 sacks in their last five games. Um, that Arkansas State defense overall is allowing foes to gain 163 yards per game above their season average, which is dead last in the FBS. And the Panthers are on a 7-1 and one ATS run. And to me, this is, game just seems like a giant mismatch. And uh, with, a, with it being under three touchdowns, I, I don't expect it to rise up. It's at 16 and a half, 17 now. Um, it might jump up another point there or so. But as long as this game stays under three touchdowns, I love the Panthers here. I think they win this game by even more than three touchdowns. Sounds good. And I agree with you. Like you mentioned, we were looking at this game as a late phone. Didn't make the cut. I mean, we're looking at this game as a uh, uh, power sweep play. Didn't make the cut, but definitely in the mix to be a late phone play. Uh, yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, I'm going to go second. I had the second best week uh, last week. So I'm going to go to a team that's playing pretty well now, now that they have their starting quarterback returning. And that is Boston College, Phil Jerkovic. Back uh, a couple weeks ago, which is a big surprise, Jerkovic, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Jerkovic came back a couple weeks ago against Virginia Tech. That was a big surprise. But, uh, you know, he didn't look great that first game. He only threw 13 passes. He was 7 of 13 for 112 yards. They got ahead. They won 17-3. They relied on their defense. Jerkovic kind of looked like he needed to knock the rust off. But last week against Georgia Tech looked a lot better. Uh, threw for 310 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions on only 13 completions. So that's an awesome, uh, you know, YPs, uh, yards per attempt. Uh, this Boston College offense, when they have a quarterback that can actually throw downfield, is pretty potent. You know, the, the, looking at the early season, 51 points, 45 points in the first two games with Jerkovic as starting quarterback. And then he got hurt and they had to take a step back because Phil Grossell or Dennis Grossell really is not the same talent. So I, I think that the offense and the line we're getting is based on the four games that they lost where uh, Dennis Grossell really struggled, didn't throw for uh, 200 yards in three of those, only put up uh, 13, 7, 14, and 6 in their four-game losing streak. Well, now with uh, Djokovic back, like I said, different kind of offense. Defense is playing well enough. They're only giving up 335 yards per game. Uh, they're holding opponents 27 yards per game below their average. They, they have uh, explosive players on offense that they just couldn't get the ball to for a few weeks. Zay Flowers is a kid that's going to end up playing in the NFL. He has 40 catches for 653 yards, and he, he, they really struggled to get him the ball at times when Djokovic was out. Now he's back. You know, they, they have uh, Jalen Gill, who's an Ohio State transfer, that uh, could be an explosive uh, addition now that you have a, a capable quarterback like Dracovic that could get the ball downfield. He's got that huge arm. He's a huge dude. They haven't allowed any sacks in the last two games, which, you know, Dracovic comes back, zero sacks back-to-back -back games. Look at the four, ga the four games uh, before that. They got gave up uh, – 10, 15 sacks in four games. Uh, so the offensive line looked like it was struggling. I think that would have had a lot to do with the uh, starting quarterback. As a matter of fact, in the four games that Jakovic has played in, they have given up zero sacks. So I think Boston College uh, is a better team than Florida State. Florida State should have lost to Miami. They played a good first half and get ahead. But I thought Miami just uh, – 
you know, they made some mistakes in the first half to allow that to happen. I don't think Florida State will jump out on Boston College. Definitely not on the road. Uh, Florida State really has struggled to run the ball the last few weeks. Uh, not not an, uh, a great defense. They have some good players like Jermaine Johnson, who might be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but he's got to tackle a six foot five. 250 pound quarterback. That's a different story than what he's been going against. Um, Miami put up uh, 359 yards last week through for 316. And I, I think that Dracova could have that similar game. So I'm going to go with Boston college only laying a point and a half at home against Florida state. Uh, I definitely think the Eagles get a win here and march towards what I think could end up being, uh, you know, seven and five, maybe an eight and four season because they finish with wake forest at home. All right, uh, Jim, we're going to go to the Big Ten for you. What do you got? Yeah, we're going to go to the Big Ten, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Purdue minus 11 over Northwestern. Uh, some of this is, uh, especially towards the end of the year, you can kind of look at different comparisons. Uh, so far this year, Northwestern. Northwestern's a team that has up years and down years, and this is definitely a down year for them. They're just three and seven straight up in ATS. Purdue is six and four straight up, five and five ATS, uh, but they're three and two straight up in uh, ATS the last five weeks. But they've also played a very tough schedule. Uh, of course, they lost last week uh, to Ohio State, which, you know, a lot of people were expecting. But I mean, they have a couple of big upsets so far this year. Uh, and uh, they're a much, they're a very solid team, have a very good offense. When you look at these teams, Purdue has our number 19 offense, Northwestern, number 96. Purdue has our number 39 defense, Northwestern, number 75. Against their five common foes, which is Michigan State, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, Northwestern is 0-5 and just 1-4 ATS. Purdue is 3-2 straight up and ATS. In those games, Purdue's uh, the average is winning 24 to 22 uh, with a 412 to 353 yard edge. Northwestern is being outscored 37 to 12 and being outgained 494 to 307. Um, I think this 11 points is cheap. Um, Michigan, or I'm sorry, uh, Purdue beat. Uh, Michigan State by 11, who beat Northwestern by 17. So that's a 28-point difference. Purdue beat Nebraska by 5. Northwestern lost by 49. That's a 54-point difference. Uh, Purdue beat Iowa by 17, who beat Northwestern by 5. That was probably Northwestern's best uh, conference game. But that's still a 22-point difference. Uh, Purdue did lose to Minnesota by seven, but Northwestern lost by 27. So that's a 20 point difference. And really the only one that's close to this line is Purdue lost to Wisconsin by 17 and Purdue or, Nebraska, or Northwestern lost to them by 28, which is the 11 point difference. But I mean, if you look at that all the way through, Purdue is much better. Uh, they're already going to a bowl. Northwestern is just finishing out the season. 
Uh, when you look at those common foes like that, I think it tells you where the teams are. And uh, I'll take uh, Purdue minus the 11 this week. Yeah, I've been uh, playing against Northwestern a lot lately, and I think that's not a bad idea again because they're not very good. We did it with Wisconsin last week, and, yeah, just keep doing it. All right, uh, Robbie, you're going to go to round two. I know you're going to go to the Mountain West Conference you lo uh, love dearly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, it's got a special place in my heart. So uh, we're going to head there for this uh, next game. We're going to go with – Utah State, a team that's uh, surprised a lot of people this year. Uh, they, they, they are a five-point favorite at home against Wyoming. It's uh, five or five-and-a-half, depending on where you look. But they're, uh, it's under a touchdown. Um, but overall, since 2011, uh, Utah State is 6-2 and two straight up against Wyoming. Um, so they've, at least in the last 10 years or so, uh, they've – held their own against Wyoming, winning six of the eight meetings. Um, this season, like I mentioned, Utah State has surprised a lot of people. They currently lead the Mountain Division, but they need to keep winning to make the Mountain West title game. They only lead Boise State by a game, and the Broncos hold the tiebreaker because they uh, they beat Utah State head-to-head. -head. So Utah State needs to win these last two games in order to secure their spot in the Mountain West title game. Uh, so that's a pretty big incentive off the top to uh, play well here. Utah State's offense under first-year coach Blake Anderson is playing very well. Um, obviously, Blake Anderson brought over his quarterback from Arkansas State, Logan Bonner. The Aggies' offense is putting up 472 yards per game and 34 points per game versus Mountain West foes. And I mentioned Logan Bonner. He's hitting 61%. And it, and it helps him quite a bit that he has the nation's leading receiver to throw to, which is Devin or who is Devin Tompkins, who has over 1400 yards and he has, uh, he's averaging almost 19 yards per catch and he has eight touchdowns on the year. Um, so a pretty lethal weapon to throw to there. Um, but they have several different uh, players that can make plays on that offense. It's not just Devin Tompkins. Um, Wyoming's gotten back to running the ball much better the last four games. They're averaging 224, 4.9. But Utah State's run defense has really uh, kind of shirt up things. They haven't played the best competition the last four weeks, but they are just giving up 66 rush yards per game the last four games. Um, and that defense overall for Utah State, which was giving up uh, 446 yards per game, 29 points per game earlier this season, uh, that's dropped to just 286 yards per game and 20 points per game over their last three. Um, on the road this year, Wyoming's offense is getting held to 51 yards per game, less than what their foes allow. And against conference foes, Utah State's offense is putting up 110 yards per game above what those Mountain West foes typically allow. Um, so again, Utah State's offense they're winning games with their offense and they're getting improved play from the defensive side of the ball um, against mountain west foes utah state is plus 77 yards per game plus six points per game while wyoming is minus four yards per game and minus seven points per game overall you uh like i mentioned utah state's gotten hot they they're on a four and oh ats run while wyoming comes in just one three and one ats on the road this year 
Uh, I look for this hot streak to continue. Anderson's got this team playing well. They have that Mountain West title game in sight. All they have to do is win. They control their their fate here. And Wyoming's played better better the last couple of weeks after that uh, after they lost their first four Mountain West games. But mm. I, I just don't see how a team that again still is struggling on offense that their run games improved a bit, but overall their offense still isn't great. Um, how they keep up with a team that puts up points. Uh, like Utah State, especially with Utah State being at home. Um, I love them here, laying five, five and a half. All right. Uh, I'm going to go over to the CUSA, and I'm going to take Middle Tennessee minus three and a half. They're a team that I think is, uh, you know, they've had a up-and-down season. They started one and three, but they had a couple of tough losses against really good teams, or teams at least above their level, UTSA and Virginia Tech also lost at Charlotte, but they had three straight road games, so it kind of put them in a tough spot. They came back, beat Marshall at home uh, in a big win, lost at Liberty. Again, another really good team on the road is kind of above their level. Beat Connecticut and Southern Miss. Uh, the Connecticut was on the road. Southern Miss they took care of, but, you know, they did lose their quarterback to injury in that game. They went to Western Kentucky, and that, that was when uh, – they started true freshman Nicholas Vadiato. He threw seven interceptions in that game, but if you, I'm sorry, he threw five himself. They had seven turnovers, and then uh, the, the other quarterback threw another one. They were only minus three yards in that game. The, the turnovers really did them in, and that was the reason I really liked them last week against Florida International, and they just dominated FIU. Stock still, I like the fact that he said he really has a lot of confidence in Vadiato. And uh, it showed he was 20 of 24 last week. He threw for two touchdowns. Wasn't crazy good numbers. Uh, he threw for 147 yards, but they dominated the game. And uh, the defense is playing pretty well. Last four games, they've only given up 261 yards. They held Western Kentucky to a season low 352 yards. Uh, and that's an offense that's put up points and yards on everybody. So I, I like the way Middle Tennessee's playing. They need a win to get bowl eligible. They're at home against an old Dominion team that, while they're on a three-game winning streak, they have struggled on the road. They lost at UTEP. They lost at, at Marshall to the same uh, team, Marshall team that Old Dominion – I mean, uh, Middle Tennessee beat. They also have a loss at Liberty where they were get, outgained by 223 yards and a 32-point loss at Wake Forest. No shame there. But their three wins, I, I will say I've been impressed. They're playing better than I expected them to. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Middle Tennessee here because, you know, Old Dominion, minus 60 yards per game on the road. Uh, their one win was on the road was against FIU, who we saw is just terrible right now. Butch Davis just lost his job. Uh, Middle Tennessee plus 49 yards per game, plus 26 points per game at home. So I'll take the Blue Raiders here to cover, which I think is a, a reasonable spot at three and a half at home. All right, Jim, you're going to go to, uh, to the ACC, to uh, one of my favorite conferences, to a team that we are really rooting for this week. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Wake Forest plus the four and a half over Clemson. Uh, now, I, when you kind of look at this, you, sometimes it's always public uh, perspective or Clemson, oh, you know, Clemson's so great. Clemson's a seven and three team who's favored by four and a half over the number 13 ranked team in the country who only has one loss. Um, 
it is offense versus defense. Wake Forest has our number two offense. Clemson has our number nine defense. Um, but Clemson is two and eight ATS this year, and they should actually be one and nine because that Florida State game still bugs me with all the laterals that the guy covers or runs it into the end zone. But I digress. Wake Forest is coming in at six and three ATS versus FBS teams. And one of their non-covers was by half a point. Uh, once again, I like to look at common foes. They have four common foes, Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse, and NC State. Now, they're very similar. Uh, Clemson's 3-1, and one, straight up, 2-2 two and two ATS. Wake Forest is 4-0, and oh, straight up, 2-2 two and two ATS. Uh, when you look at the points, Clemson outscored their foes, those four common foes, 25 to 21, which is four points. Uh, but they actually got outgained 345 to 313 uh, in those games, and they're only plus one turnover. Wake Forest in those games outscored their foes 39 to 32 for seven points a game. They were outgained, but only 459 to 455, and they're plus five turnovers in those games. So Wake Forest has done better than that. Now, last year, Clemson did win 37-13. But, gee, who was quarterback back then? Uh, I think somebody who's now in the NFL was the number one draft pick. This is not the same Clemson team. Wake Forest, is, they still covered last year. And they've covered five of the last seven. This is their chance to end a 12-game losing streak to Clemson. They have the talent. Clemson's already bowl eligible. They have their uh, rival, South Carolina, on deck. Wake Forest wins this game. They clinch the division. They go to the ACC championship game, no matter what happens next week with Boston College. Uh, for me, the, the added disrespect of being number 13 and still getting four and a half points, I'm sure their coach is, you know, harping on that. And uh, once again, Clemson should be one in nine ATS. So I'm going to go against them again and go with Wake Forest plus the four and a half. Yeah, I think anything over a field goal is uh, makes Wake Forest to play here because, I mean, I could see Clemson winning this game, but I have a hard time imagining them winning anything but a tight game. And Wake Forest obviously has the offensive edge. All right, uh, Robbie. We're going to go back to you, and what's your uh, totals play this week? Uh, well, after – I think it's now – it was uh, up to five consecutive weeks. I think I used an under for my total. Um, I'm actually going to uh, buck that trend, and I'm going to go with an over, and I'm going to go uh, with the over 68-and-a-half in the Ohio State-Michigan State game this weekend. Uh, before last year's matchup, which went – over the previous five meetings between these teams have had gone under. And this is the first time I could find since at least 2004, the total was even in the sixties. Um, so it's clearly the highest total between these teams in uh, two decades. Um, but there's obviously a reason this total is creeping up towards 70. Uh, Ohio state's offense is putting up 550 yards per game and 46 points per game. And just last week, they put up 624 yards and 59 points on Purdue, who beat Michigan State a few weeks back, 40 to 29. Uh, 
Ohio State is led by quarterback C.J. Stroud, and the Ohio State pass attack is putting up uh, 355 yards per game and is hitting 70% against Big Ten foes. Uh, and they face a Michigan State pass defense that's given up 430 pass yards per game in the last three games, allowing uh, those three foes to hit a combined 67%, including giving up 536 pass yards and 74% to Purdue a few weeks back. And uh, while statistically Ohio State's defense looks like they've played well, giving up just 351 yards per game and 20 points per game in Big Ten play, uh, they did allow 501 yards to Oregon earlier this season. And just last week um, against Purdue, they gave up 481 total yards, including 390 passing yards. And uh, Michigan State's a team that loves to run the ball. and the last team that really gave Ohio State fits on the ground was Oregon. That was back earlier in the season. Um, but Michigan State comes in with Heisman hopeful Kenneth Walker, who's nearly at 1,500 yards, 6.5 yards a carry, and 17 rushing touchdowns. And the Spartans as a team are putting up 198 rush, 5.3 YPC. And that Spartans offense is uh, – in total, putting up 450 yards per game and three and 35 points per game. Um, I see Ohio State's offense putting up s- similar numbers to what they did last week as Michigan State comes in with just the number 74 ranked total defense. But Michigan State's offense is no slouch. In, in a big game, Kenneth Walker is getting some buzz for the Heisman. And a big game here, even in a loss, could really help his case at the end of the year. Um, I know it's a high total, especially for these two teams, but it's warranted. They've got two teams that can put up points, and Michigan State's pass defense has been atrocious. Ohio State's defense hasn't really seen a running game like this in about two months. So, I mean, I see Ohio State winning like 49-24, 52-27, which would send this game over that total of 68 and a half. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Obviously, I like Michigan State over last week. Uh, and it, you know, was right around the number. Should have been way more than that. But uh the, yeah, Ohio State can put up points on anybody. That offense is humming. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go to the SEC in a total that's actually slightly higher than yours, Robbie. I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you. <laughs> uh, Florida versus Missouri over 69 and a half. The Florida defense can only be described as abysmal after what happened last week. And you got to think, so earlier this year, they gave up 49 to LSU, who wasn't particularly playing all that well in offense. Uh, they gave up 40 to South Carolina, and then you had the bye week, and you're like, all right, you, you fired your de- defensive coordinator, you had your bye week, you're going to come back and play well off your bye week on defense against an FCS school. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, no, they did not. They gave up 52 points and 416 pass yards to Samford. It's not even a good FCS school. Ask Jim. He, he knows the FCS. They're not – they're they're middle of the pack. Uh, Missouri can run the ball. They'll run it on most teams. They had 258 rushing last week against South Carolina. Tyler Beatty has uh, been a workhorse, 1,247 rushing yards for him. And the thing I really like about this game is Missouri's run defense can only be described as pitiful. Now, last week, they only allowed 57 rushing yards against South Carolina. I think that's simply a matter of they stack the box against the South Carolina team that can't throw the ball. Emory Jones, for all his faults, 
can throw the ball a little bit. And I'll tell you what he also can do. He can run South Carolina's quarterback. Couldn't that adds another dimension. And when your defense is giving up 259 rushing yards and 6.0 yards per carry in SEC play, that tells me that one game is not enough to convince me that you uh, have turned things around. Florida should score plenty. Missouri's uh, offense is capable of scoring on Florida's defense, who looks like it has given up on the season. I think this will be a sloppy uh, defensive game. A lot of points scored. Over 69.5 seems very reasonable to me. So I don't mind that total at all. Florida just seems like a team that has uh, has moved on to basketball season on defense, at least. All right. Uh, Jim, uh, you're going to stay in the SEC. Uh, not often that someone else talks Tennessee, and I, it's not me. Uh, what do you got? Well, before, before I go to that Tennessee, I, I will go on the uh, Samford to kick there a little bit since you gave me that opening. Ah. Uh, just to mention, this is the last week of the regular season. Uh, playoffs will be starting not this weekend, but next weekend in the FCS. And Sanford won't even be in there. They're four and six this year. And the real funny thing is I was looking at it, and uh, 52 points is the most they've scored this year, except for the opener where they put 52 points up against Tennessee Tech. So that's right. Florida and Tennessee Tech gave up the same amount of points to Sanford. Not good defense. No, good job. Uh, but not not Tennessee Tech, but I'm going to go with uh, slightly less total than you guys, I guess, if we're comparing. Uh, I'm going with the over 62 in the uh, Tennessee-South Alabama game. Uh, I think a big point here is Tennessee with the win uh, becomes bowl eligible, uh, which would be uh, in uh, Josh Heupel's first season. Uh, which hasn't happened since, I don't know, who was the coach the last time that uh, happened? Yeah. Our old buddy Lane Kiffin was the first. Okay. Last time the Tennessee got to a bowl game and the, the coach's first year was good old Lane Kiffin. Yeah, so I, I think they, uh, they played Georgia last week, of course, got held to 17 points. But the 17 points, I believe, was the most points put up against Georgia this year. Um, Tennessee averaging 68 uh, points per game combined. Seven of their last nine games have gone over. South Alabama has gone over for the last six. Um, Tennessee uh, is that if you take out that Georgia game, their uh, their games are averaging actually 69 points per game combined because even in that Georgia game, that got up to 58 points, which this is 62. Um, they already they put up 62 by themselves versus Missouri, 56 against Tennessee Tech. Oh, there you go. Bring that back. They also put 45 up against both South Carolina and Kentucky. I see uh, – South Alabama is averaging 26 points per game on offense, but they have five games where they've had 31 points or more this season. So they can put up some points on their own. I don't think Tennessee's defense matches their offense. Uh, Tennessee's averaging 72 plays per game uh, while allowing 79. South Alabama is averaging 71 plays per game. They are allowing only 64 plays per game, but 
against Tennessee, an offense that got hell in check last week. Well, like I said, actually, I think that's the most points scored against Georgia this year. Also the most yards, uh, 155 yards above what Georgia allows on average. So, I mean, this is a powerful offense that's going to want to score. They could do the 62 by themselves. I think South Alabama will help them out. And, I mean, you just got to kind of look at it is uh, all you have to do is look back in 2019 when uh, they lost to Georgia State 30-28. to 28. I'm, That's still, you know, an easy thing. There's still players on the team who remember that. So they're not going to take any chances. They're not going to take it easy. They're just going to go for it. Uh, they have Vanderbilt on deck. But Vandy is not very good this year. I just see them taking this game, running away with it, showing what their offense can do. And I think that 62 points is low. Yeah, Tennessee's offense likes to go fast. And I don't think South Alabama has seen an offense like this that's going to want to snap the ball 10 seconds uh, into the play clock every every, uh, play. So it's a different kind of offense. And because of that, some of that red on defense is – a matter of Tennessee's offense moving so fast it puts the defense on the field a lot. Correct. Which happened against Kentucky when they gave up 46 minutes of possession, but they won the game. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Tennessee should put up some points. And the defense will get tired out at times and give up some points themselves. All right. Well, thank you, Jim and uh, Robbie, for another week of handicapping. Jim, you got anything to close? Uh, just – Kind of, you got me, I was going to talk about the FCS and he kind of gave me that segue. So I brought that in. Uh, I don't know, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll throw a little bit uh, FCS playoff talk in at the end. Yeah, perhaps we will for, for you, Jim. I know you, I know you'd be chomping at the bit for that one, but what do you got, Robbie? What, what do you want to say before we close? Uh, not much. Just uh, once again, guys, I know we've only got a couple of weeks left. We appreciate uh, those of you who have listened every week uh we put in a lot of work during the week and i can speak for myself when i say this is actually one of the things i look forward to doing the most uh every week so i appreciate all you who listen we're hoping to have a good last few weeks here and uh everyone uh, stay safe out there during the upcoming thanksgiving holiday all right and we're going to close this up in a moment once again thank you to all our listeners for tuning into the podcast and uh, thank you to everyone who's jumped on board for our late phones uh, all season. It's been a lot of fun, especially the NFL uh, in our, in our game of the year, obviously last week. Um, also uh, want to remind everyone, you can also check me out on the Stu cast. My good friend, Stu uh, really excited for uh, this week of football, I know we're going to be talking some football tonight, recording his podcast. He was at the Wake Forest NC State game, said he had a lot of fun. And he's got a couple feelings on some totals, and I, I know I talked to him about some games this week. So definitely check him out, uh, StuCast Sports. Uh, you can check out his podcast, the StuCast. A uh, lot of fun. It's a different style. different. Uh, it's a lot more laid back, a little more uh, colorful language, if you will. So uh, a lot of fun doing that. Definitely check that out. Uh, this week's code is going to be PITT, uh, P-I-T-T, like Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area, so I'm going to go with Pitt's, uh, PITT as the code since the Pitt Panthers are uh, looking destined to win the ACC 
possibly finishing up the Coastal Division this week. So once again, the code is PIT, and that'll get you $10 off our NFL Game of the Month, $20 off Saturday, Sunday's package, prices on the back of Power Sweep. So right now, uh, $79 if you're a 21 sub, $69 if you're a 22 sub for that NFL Game of the Month. Uh, you can knock $10 off that if you're a Power Sweep subscriber. Uh, Saturday, Sunday package, $129 right now for 21 subs, $119 for 22 subs. Knock 20 off those packages if you want to jump on board uh, using code PIT. And the, uh, the phone number to get that is 1-800-654-3448. You can also go to ncsports.com if you're a non-subscriber. Sign up for the NFL Game of the Month. It is $100 if you sign up for the Game of the Month. On the, uh, on the website. So if you want those cheaper subscriber prices, you do have to call in 1-800-654-3448. And, of course, ncsports.com is the website. Look forward, everybody, uh, tuning in next week uh, for our Thanksgiving edition of the Power Suite podcast. And, uh, like I said, definitely check out the StuCast. I know Stu is uh, excited for everyone to, to listen this week because it's going to be a good one. All right, thank you for everyone from Jim, from Robbie, from myself, everyone at uh, North Coast Sports. Had a lot of fun, and we'll talk to you next week.